You're listening to Inside Acting. To find out more and make a donation, visit our website at insideactingpodcast.com. And welcome to episode 87 of Inside Acting. I'm AJ Meyer. And I'm Trevor Elgott. And on this podcast, we interview writers, directors, agents, managers, casting directors, producers, anybody involved in the entertainment industry. Package it up into this little podcast here and throw it up on the internet for our listeners, meaning you. <laughs> That's really good, man. Thank you. Um, yeah. And we're just two dudes doing this who don't really pretend to know everything. In fact, we, we really don't know everything. We don't... We're just doing this because we're looking for the answers just as much as everybody else. So if you hear something here that you uh, want to add your two cents to, we really, really, really love that. We invite it. We want it. We want your voice on this podcast as well. Uh, lots of different ways to get in touch with us. Email, uh, Facebook, Twitter, phone call, like you name it. We pretty much have it. So start by heading to our website, InsideActingPodcast.com. And on this episode, we have the third part third and final part of our three-part interview with Matt Loglin, um, and uh, hopefully you guys have enjoyed the first two parts, and in this one, it's uh, it's more of the diving into the entertainment industry, which is, uh, you know, what uh, what this podcast is all about, but it's just a, bit, a really interesting, I think these three episodes are going to be this really interesting transition, uh, or transition, or sort of drilling down as we get deeper yeah. and deeper into yeah. the entertainment industry. So uh, stick around for that. So hey, hey everybody, hey dude, hey buddy, what's going on, man? <laughs> Episode eighty-seven. I like uh, our listeners can't see us, but Trevor was I, when I saw him the first time this morning. He was dressed in a suit, and now he's like back in his pajamas. Because <laughs> and I'll be back in a suit in like a half hour, right? Yeah, yeah I know. You're yeah. just like, oh my god, I just want to go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, that whole thing. Yeah, I don't want to scare anybody away. So maybe we shouldn't talk about. <laughs> it's not about scaring. It's like uh, you know, like we were talking about a moment ago, like about creating maximum results in your life and not having any any, any excuses yeah we're talking yeah. about the leadership program again and it, it it's um it's it's designed specifically to stretch your plate and stretch your plate and stretch your plate to the point where you feel like you just can't possibly yeah. stretch anymore and then you and then you stretch somehow some more, stretch some yeah. more. <clears throat> and so that way you know when you're and i just graduated yay me. yeah congratulations thank man. you I'm so bummed I couldn't make the, the graduation. You got to work or something? I was working, You were at yeah. KDT? Yeah, I was at the Douglas, and by the time I was done, I was pretty sure it was over, and I had this instinct inside that was like, Trevor, just get in the car and drive down there, and if they're still going, cool, and if not, at least you tried. But I, I talked myself out of it. I was like, don't do it, man. Like, you're going to get down there. They're going to be wrapped up. No one's going to be there. And I come to find out that you guys were still going for like another hour after I got back. And so I was just kicking myself like, why didn't I just go? Why Trust didn't your I instincts. just go the extra mile? Trust my instincts and just show up. And at least I made the effort. Yeah. So that was a little lesson. There you go. Yeah. Good. Yeah. It's all feedback. It's all feedback. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, congratulations. Thank you, sir. Yeah, yeah. So just graduated. Yeah. Um, and so I know exactly where you're at 
in the process and yeah. you know your plate will continue to stretch it's great because then you just like you, there's no excuses there's absolutely no excuses like if you are not like <clears throat> you think about how exhausted you are from doing this or you think about how exhausted i think about how exhausted i was uh at certain points in, in lp and it's go what i should be that exhausted busting my butt on my acting career it should be hard work Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's people who move boxes for a living. They literally move boxes from one building into a truck into another building. Like that's their job. So, like, why, you know, why, why shouldn't I be that sweaty and exhausted and 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 burnt out and ready to take a nap when it comes to my acting career? Hmm. You know. Yeah. 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 It's a good way to look at it. I don't. I, I should say that. We definitely are not advocating that people like destroy themselves and their health and their, <laughs> and their you know, everything like in, in pursuit of this. But I mean, yeah, I think the lesson is, especially one that I'm learning now is that what I thought was hard work before is, uh, is not, is not hard work. You know, I'm starting to really re- get in touch with what it's like to really, really put in an effort. And, uh, you know, just to kind of loop this all back for listeners who may just be joining us and are not familiar, this is the MITT program or one of their, one of their programs. I was telling you before we started recording that like, we're doing something in the LP program right now that just brings me right up against, like right into the face of every single thing that's been stopping me. Mm-hmm. And every time I think about it, I get really upset for a minute and, I let, and then I let go of it, but I get upset for a minute because I'm like, Oh my God, it's been right here in my face all along. And I thought this was who I was and all this shit excuses I made up. And now I, I'm confronting them and I'm seeing that they're all just bullshit. It's just, man, I mean, you want to change your life? <laughs> this is the way to do it. Yeah. And I, I was a skeptic to begin with. I have to admit. Um, and I am just, I'm tired <laughs> right now, but I'm really grateful yeah. to, uh, to have this help, to have yeah. this support. Yeah. Yeah, it, and it um I know exactly what you're talking about and it and it it comes back to for me it came back to your relationship with people in the industry and yeah. being able to create relationship really quickly and easily and then be able to take that relationship and turn it into something that's going to benefit both parties, you know, creating a win-win, yeah. which yeah. we have talked about on the podcast before, but it's like how do you how do you practice that? How do you how do you work that muscle out? I mean, I guess you could just go to like networking event after networking event, party after party, industry party after industry party, and just keep trying new and different ways of of creating that. But this is like it, it's it's like building a muscle. Yeah, and not to mention if you do that, you're bound to fuck up a bunch of them as you're as you're, <laughs> as you're learning. You know what I mean? And it's like at least here now, it's like you kind of mess up, but in like a, somewhat of a safe environment, and you get coaching and feedback yeah. and. And all that stuff. I mean, I don't want to make this a commercial for MITT again, but um, stuff is to say. I've done. It's I've been, done that. <laughs> it's been our life for the past four months, and it's been amazing. Totally. Uh, yeah. What is there anything else going on <laughs> in your life? I was says- thinking about that, uh, and I was like, no, it really hasn't been. You know, it's intense. I, I really. Well, how's the music thing going? Um, oh, oh yeah. Thank you for that. That's, yeah. that's going really well. I finished. Uh, I finished a song. It's done. It's complete. Nice. Um, uh, and I'm pretty happy with the way it sounds. It's, it's actually a song that I had written and recorded previously. So I basically just re-recorded everything, redid it and fixed the things that I wanted to fix. Nice. And the, the next step for it now is to, is to take it to uh, you know, a professional engineer, have him mix it, have my friend master it. And then 
somehow get it out, but I don't want to do it on its own. I want to have, I want to have at least like five or six songs as a, as a, like package, a little, like EP. an, e- an EP. Yeah. yeah. But you, you have a ton of news. So I want to give you the majority of the time here. Cause I want to hear all about the things you were able to create for yourself this week. Yeah. Are, are, are we talking about just the one thing or like all the things that came from that or, uh, well, you have big news with, uh, yeah, so Victor D'Onofrio. Victor. <laughs> with Vincent D'Onofrio. Vincent D'Onofrio. Uh, yeah. So, okay, so here's... Uh, I said Victor because AJ said it earlier, and I was like, wait, who's Victor? <laughs> it's Vincent's brother, man. <laughs> it's his evil evil twin. It's his evil twin with a goatee, like that Star Trek episode. <clears throat> oh, big nerd moment on the podcast. <clears throat> I won't tell anybody. Won't <laughs> we tell need anybody. a sound effect for nerd moments. Not <laughs> not noodle bakes or knowledge bombs, but like nerd moments. Um, so, drumroll please, I booked my first feature. It's, this is a an official studio like feature. I don't know if it's picked I don't know if it's picked up by a studio, but I like there's contracts I'm getting paid like SAG scale plus 10. <sighs> yeah, yeah, it's a, And you're working alongside A-list talent. It's a major That's deal. It's pretty huge, man. It's a major deal. Yeah, well for done. sure. You know, I guess there's always an opportunity for a studio to pick it up. Um, I'm reaching for my iPhone right now to tell you guys who else is in uh, the film. But um, Vincent D'Onofrio plays the the bad guy, quote unquote, in the movie. And um, he has like a group, like a gang, uh, a group of henchmen. And I am one of the main the main henchmen cool in in the film so so is this like a gangster film or is this like a what kind of what kind of project are we looking at oh i read the script script, yeah it's um it's it takes place in a border town there's these two brothers one of them is the older one is a little slow kind of like lenny from of mice and men and and and, um the younger one becomes a, a concert violinist and goes off to new york to do his thing and you know try to get a job working for the 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 philharmonic and he comes back to his border town to like basically take his brother with him or visit his brother or something like that and comes to find out that his brother has become the like the hitman like the main bad guy vincent d'onofrio's character has like turned him into his personal like Mm. hitman by sort of manipulating his brain but it's got uh vincent d'onofrio in it anton yelkin yeah, uh, he's awesome, and uh, Sean Patrick Flannery, sweet man, um, and a couple of other names. It's been it's been interesting. I I I, I you can't find it on IMDb yet. It might be on IMDb Pro. I haven't actually checked yet. You can't find it on um, on IMDb quite yet. So I just like did a Google search, and um, it's interesting who has sort of been attached and is no longer attached as time has gone on. So back in I think February. Uh, they were talking about Michael Mickey was the guy from the wrestler. Why am yeah, I Mickey Rourke? Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Wow. My, I'm brain farting on names all day today. This and it's is all over the internet now. <clears throat> I know. <laughs> Sorry, Mickey. Call me dude. We'll, we'll talk. Um, <laughs> so Mickey Rourke was attached and is no longer Val Kilmer was attached at one point and is no longer. So it was like, it was like sifting through all this stuff, trying to figure wow. out what the truth was or, or not the truth, but like what is currently happening. Anyway, so uh, I was originally slated to work for nine days. I just got a call from my manager today that I'm going to be working for basically the entire month of November. Dude, how big is your part? uh, I mean, I'm in several scenes, but I only have one line. 
Uh-huh. As of right now, you know, there's always a chance that that changes once they get on set and everybody falls in love with me. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, the fact is, I get to hang out with Vincent D'Onofrio. Like, dude, all, like that's cool. Future podcast guest. Yeah, right. Yeah, I know. Right. I mean, like, declare all these, it, man. Yeah, exactly. Declare it right now. Yeah, all three of those guys, man. Yeah. Get them on the podcast. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's gonna be cool. Um, and they're shooting in Lancaster, uh, Santa Clarita, like all these like outskirt of uh la areas and of all places victorville which is my hometown about that? <clears throat> where i grew up so if we High shoot desert. up there like i want to invite my parents to come on set and stuff it's, it's very like cute what's happening right now it's amazing um That's so cool man so i'm learning so much from this process because i got to call the union and have had this really awesome lengthy conversation with one of the people in membership at SAG-AFTRA, if you have any questions or you just are curious, just call the number, ask to speak with somebody in membership or, you know, use the mm-hmm. touch tone, whatever, to get to membership and just chat with those guys for like an hour. That's what that's what their job that's is. That's what their job and is. That's Woody, what they, yeah, like what he said on his interviews, he was just like, dude, they're super nice people. Yeah. Just call them up. They're there to answer questions exactly. and de- demystify the the fog that is the unions. Right. It's exactly what Woody said on, on uh, toward the end of his interview. Just call him. I was on the phone for like maybe 40 minutes, maybe mm-hmm. less, 30 minutes, and learned a ton. I found out that I have an old pro- profile, or I can't even remember what they called it. Oh, I remember. They called it, because it reminded me of... Um, MITT, they called it like a legacy account. <laughs> so there's a legacy account under right Albert Meyer, uh-huh. under AFTRA from when I did Hannah Montana. And I had like $14.73 of residuals in that account. <laughs> so like I need to go in and like do something, like give them my address so they can send me a check wow. for that. It's like it's That's hilarious. Nice. That's really cool. <clears throat> and um, and uh, I got the guy to like merge that with my current... Your current Pro name, which is, which is AJ Meyer now. Yeah. Right, and and like get everything squared away with regards to the the one union. I'm being Taft-Hartley. Turns out Taft-Hartley is not a in- entertainment industry-specific thing. You guys can Wikipedia it. Um, but it's a it's about it's a it's a law that has to do with labor unions. So, of course, it's going to be a big deal in the entertainment industry because like it's one of the biggest industries that has a union that negotiates contracts with producers and yada yada. So the way that the entertainment industry uses it is if someone is not a member of the union and they book a principal role. And because I say a line, this is a principal role. They have to, what's called Taft Hartley meaning they have to like, I, I basically must join the union in order to take this job. You basically get all your vouchers. In one fell swoop. Yeah. So vouchers, for those of you who don't know, is like if you yeah. are a featured extra and you get three vouchers, that's how you become union. So it's really cool because it's like I have not joined the union very specifically thinking like, well, you know, someday I'll book a job and I'll become union. Mm-hmm. And so this, so that's happening. And the other cool thing about Taft-Hartley specifically is that if you are Taft-Hartley as opposed to joining, if you just join... Like you get your three vouchers and you go and you join or you, another way to join the union is that like, I've been a member of, uh, actors equity for, uh, over a year with my dues paid and, and all that stuff. And if that's the case, if you're in good standing with one of the other sister unions, you can join 
sag by just going you're basically yeah, sag, yeah. sag after eligible you can just go and pay you know the twenty thousand dollar whatever it is it's like really expensive these days to join and and just just pay outright and become a member of the union when you're taft hartley uh they you can be put on a payment plan sweet so and that's not the case with any other method of joining the union what what, what are the dues right now for sag i mean to join do you know what it is exactly? I think it's like twenty. Well, it's twenty six hundred before Jeez. the merger. Yeah, I mean, I joined Astra before the merger, so I kind of got away with a with a sweet deal. Yes, totally. Um, um, let's see. I'm gonna look it up. Three thousand dollars. Three grand. Three thousand dollars. Which and it used to be like twenty seven hundred, twenty eight hundred. Okay. So yeah. So what? And the other thing that's cool is like this job will actually pay for. So if I wanted to, you know, I could do a payment plan or I could just use the money from this job to pay for Sweet. my dues. Sweet. Which is crazy. So I'll be union by the time this is over. Um, awesome. It's just both unions, equity and, uh, yeah. and SAG after. Yeah. Yeah. Been equity since 2007. So cool to see a career build, <clears throat> you know? It's really cool. Do you want to <laughs> also talk about um, what you were able to kind of create uh, today? Some of you may know that I do private computer consultation on the side as a, as a, to support the acting habit. And, um, a friend of mine had this brilliant idea to create, um, gift certificates for the holidays so that somebody could buy purchase as a present, like two hours of computer consultation with, with me. I was literally about to make the certificates the next day. I got an email from, um, Don Steinberg, who's the head, the executive VP of casting, Mm-hmm. At Sony, we've talked about her on the podcast because her husband directed me in a couple of plays. So I've been friends with the family for, cool. for a long time. But the, I think the thing yeah. that, that Trevor is referring to is I turned something that was a personal slash professional rela- relationship into an opportunity because she wanted to purchase one of these. Um, and I hope Dave doesn't listen to the podcast. That'd be so crazy if I like gave away one of his birthday presents right now. Uh, I don't think he does. But um, – uh, she, you know, wanted to get this for him and, um, yeah. And if you're friends with him, don't tell him there's the other thing. Um, but I knew that, you know, obviously she works at the Sony studios in Culver city. And so I said, you know, Hey, I'm going to be in Culver city on Monday or whatever. Let's, um, <clears throat> you know, we can do an exchange. We were trying to figure out when we were going to exchange. Right. So you, you invented an errand. I invented an errand. And then I and basically invented a meeting with the head of casting at Sony. We, to me, it was just like, like telling the universe, yeah, this is where I'm supposed to be. Like I, I, I drove onto the Sony lot today. Mm-hmm. I walked to the casting building. I, I, I took the elevator up to her office. You know, it was like, to me, it was it was about creating that sense of like, yeah, I'm an actor and I'm here and da da da. And then I go into her office and it's like all you know, catching up, shooting the breeze. And of course, she asked me, "Oh, how's acting going?" And I got to tell her, "Oh, I just bur- booked my first feature, feature film, film with Victor D'Onofrio." Vic- yeah, Victor D'Onofrio. <laughs> not going to let you live that down. I could have. I might have actually said that. Uh, she didn't laugh at me, so that's good. Anyway, point being, yeah, I just created a meeting. Um, that's so awesome. In the executive VP of castings office well done dude really smart yeah really smart and you know adding a sense of urgency to something that could have just been an email you know you could have taken the easy way out yeah and, emailed uh, it to her and had her yeah. printed out or whatever yeah yeah exactly so you really um took advantage of that that's awesome man. yeah congrats so let that be a lesson to you get, get creative <laughs> uh anything else before we no, uh, man, let's do it 
Sweet. All right, so uh, this is part three of uh, third and final part of our three-part interview with Matt Loglin, uh, New York Times best-selling author Matt Loglin. <laughs> yes, so uh, uh, enjoy that. We'll see you guys on the other side. question about your involvement in the film i was talking to trevor you know we were having a chat about like what 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 is it that we're going to talk to to matt about you know uh, being that um he doesn't come from you know the entertainment industry background it's like what exactly were and you know i realized like that's it that's that's the question it's like having not and you've already kind of discussed this with your very self-effacing uh, um, view on your not knowing about caa william william morris and, and all of that but we were just thinking, like, there's going to come a point where if you if you choose to be involved at this level, there's going to come a point where you will end up spending more time on the set of a major motion picture than some of our listeners. Yeah. It, who, who, who are actors, who are, you know, in this industry. And so there's going to come a point where, like, you're going to have this, uh, this really interesting on-set experience that, like, even I might not have or Trevor might not have. And what that... Um, what that experience, you know, will, will be like for you. Yeah, it's, it's so strange because I, I think about, and I keep saying strange and weird because that's how I, I view my life every day. I mean, again, I can say I wrote a book. I went on a book tour. <laughs> like, like I, I couldn't even imagine a scenario in my life where a publisher was going to send me to, to all these cities I've never visited and have me read to people. And then that was just part of my job. That was like my life. Um, I, I have friends, you know, who've who've been writing in in Hollywood forever. Maybe they're writing a book or whatever. And as you said, and I, your laughter was kind of funny. I mean, like I I kind of I didn't know about these agencies and stuff, but I knew how hard it was to get a phone call from somebody. I have friends who've been trying for years to get an agent who will just pick up the phone and look at the movie they made or read the screenplay that they they wrote. Um, so I understand that, and it, and that's the part for me where, where again I feel bad almost. Like I stumbled into this, uh, and I don't. I don't deserve it. I and that's I don't want to have that that indignation where like, well yeah, you guys might have worked really hard for this, but my wife died. Fuck you guys. Mm-hmm. Like I deserve this and you don't. That's not it at all. Like it's just something that's happened to me. And I you know, I have a hard time considering myself an author. Like I, I where was I? I was on an airplane the other day and somebody said, Well, what do you do? And I could have said, like, well, I wrote a New York Times bestselling book, my book's being optioned into a movie. Um, and what I said was, I run a nonprofit foundation. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I didn't mention my book, I didn't mention my movie because those things are so separate from my 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 actual reality. And someday, yeah, maybe I'll be on the set of this thing and watching and all of that. And I want to have this real meta experience actually where I want I want Maddie like the real Maddie to be holding baby Maddie in the movie. That's like the only thing I want written into it. Like, <laughs> you just I want, want a picture of that. Yeah. I just want I that. I'm done. <laughs> I just want that to happen. Um, but otherwise like, you know, this was, this was never my dream. You know what I mean? Like it, the reason I'm saying yes to a lot of this stuff now, after having said no originally was that I used to be so afraid of failure. You know, I used to be afraid of, um, you know, with those music reviews I wrote, like I would write these things and that the artist would read it and be pissed off about something I said, even though they were glowing reviews. Um, or they would take issue with the way I classified their music or something, or some reader would read it and think like, this guy's an idiot. He doesn't know, you know, why didn't he compare it to this band instead of this one? Um, and so that sort of, that self-consciousness 
disappeared um, when my wife died. Like when, when you have to get up in front of a, uh, a group of people you barely know, some family, some friends, but a bunch of people you don't know at a funeral home and talk about your wife who just died three days earlier, you just sort of don't care about anything anymore. I just quit. I quit caring about what people thought about me. I quit caring about what people would say about me. And it doesn't affect me in any way. It just doesn't bother me if somebody hates my book. Like if I can have a laugh about it, that's great. That's all that matters to me. Um, but the rest of it, it, it doesn't affect me. And so at the same time, I also don't want the good things to affect me. I don't want to sit here and think, oh, because I'm a best-selling author, I can go into any restaurant and be like, don't you know who I am? Like, no, oh, nobody gives a shit. Like they don't care about that. Um, and, and I don't want to, I don't want to pretend that all the positive things that have happened and that people have said about me are, are my reality. That's not me. What I am. I, yeah. I'm, I'm a father to this amazing kid. Um, I love her more than anything in the world. And that's, that's what I look at. Like that's, that's, that's my life is my daughter. And then I've got this foundation that I started, you know? And so it, it's weird. I mean, at a certain point, yeah, I might have a lot of experience and maybe, um, you know, I, I need to start looking for a, like a real job soon. You know, I need to like go back and start making some money again. Um, and I keep thinking like, oh yeah, I'll just go back and I'll get a corporate job where I'll be a manager to all these people and I'll manage a project or whatever. And then I run into people like you and I run into other people and they're like, well, maybe you should try your hand at screenwriting. <laughs> you know, it's like, shit, I, I, it's so far outside my realm. Even though I'm living this now, it doesn't, I feel like I'm pretending. I feel like I'm pretending throughout this thing. Like you guys are the experts. Like you guys probably went to school and studied acting or whatever it is that you guys love. Um, and I didn't do any of that. And so it would, again, like, like it would be like me going in and teaching math to somebody. Like I barely got through algebra two when I finished high school. Like I was terrible in math in college and graduate school. It'd be like me walking into a classroom saying like, I'm going to teach you guys fucking trigonometry. All right. I couldn't do it. And so I just prefer to stay out of it as much as I can. And um, and if somebody believes in it and they think I can do it, well, I'll give it my best shot. And if I fail, I don't care. You know, again, that's what goes back to with the book. I even, I mean, I've gotten a third of my advance already. It was it was nice. I had some money, but if I didn't finish my book, if I hadn't completed it, they would have canceled the contract. I'd have lost two thirds of my advance. I'd quit my job. I'd move to a foreign country to write this thing. Um, and so, a, a, again, at the heart of it, all I cared about was doing what I wanted to do. I wanted to make it the most authentic thing I could possibly write and the rest of it didn't matter. So, uh, when it comes to lifetime, I'm hoping that's the same thing. I've been working with people who I've been talking to now for three years. I mean, uh, Denise, I've been speaking to for so long. And I remember from the first meeting we had, her promise was, I will do everything I can to honor your wife and your daughter and you. And she said, I will make the best movie I possibly can. And I will do it with you. I'll work with you to make sure that this is something that's responsible. Um, I feel like clapping right now. Yeah. yeah thank seriously. God for her. Yeah. I yeah. mean, and, and I know there's horror stories all over the place um, of people who probably promise these things. And I've actually had people promise this stuff to me in the past, but I, I feel like I know her well enough. Like I get email updates from her. Like she just was in Africa. She, she does a lot of stuff with Warner brothers. She got called away to go to Africa and I just got a random email from her and I'm sure I'm on some distribution list or whatever, but the fact that I'm on her distribution list to tell me that she's in Africa and seeing these beautiful things is like, it's really cool for me. Um, and so I, I, I do trust these people and I trust Marta now that I've met her and I trust these writers that now that I've met them. Uh, and, and I think that that's, that's a unique situation to be in. I, I feel like a lot of people I know, um, who, who have to consider these, these situ- situations or these scenarios are worried about how their story is going to come off. And, uh, it can be a, a frightening thing for people. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good to hear that, that that's been your experience. Cause I really do believe that the only way you get to the kind of dare I say high levels of, of playing in this industry is just by being 
exactly that by being like just the most real, honest, genuine, caring person you can be. That's really what people think. I think that there are tricks yeah. or there's like some sort of like special way to interact with people. You got to be a wheeler and dealer and you got to be this and that. But I don't think that's the case. And it's no. so, so it's so great to hear that your experience has been just really wonderful. With yeah. These, with these people. Well, and the thing is the, the people who have been the wheeler dealers, the ones that you would expect, I mean, the Ari Golds of the world, I've encountered those people. I mean, that a guy from William Morris, when I talked to him, um, I actually took this phone call while I was at work. So I'm, you know, I'm trying to do my day job at Yahoo. And this guy says, um, I just want you to know, you know, I, I just got off the phone with Patrick Swayze. He was working on getting Swayze's biography out or whatever. And he said, I just want you to know that I'm taking time for you. And I was like, that doesn't mean shit to me. Like I'm taking time for you. I've, I'm, I'm making, you know, I'm, I'm making probably the amount of money I'm making in an hour here is what you, you know, I don't even know. Probably the shit that I'm making in a year is what you spend in like two weeks with your, your wife in like Barbados or something. Like you don't understand. This is my life. You might have like ended a phone call with Patrick Swayze a little early to talk to me, but that's your job. My job is to, to you know provide for my daughter and all this shit. And I just, I was, I really, I felt that as an affront to me. Like I was supposed to appreciate the fact that this guy was talking to me, and I knew that like he was going to make money off of me and all that stuff. And and I just, I just didn't like that. And so my the liter- literary agents I ended up with were the people that took me out to brunch, and not that they took me out to brunch, they held my daughter while I went in line at the buffet. And I thought, I can trust these people. Wow. You know, that's yeah. how I made those decisions. This wasn't based on the biggest name because the literary agency I went through, went with, is, is it's a small agency in, in New York, right? It was uh, Zachary Schuster Harmsworth. Everybody I talked to, unless you're in the literary world, have no idea who they am or who they are. And, uh, and I mean, it was everybody who told me, uh, that when I told people that I, I talked to William Morris or I talked to CAA or I talked to these people, and ultimately I turned down William Morris or, um, oh, there's another one. Uh, a couple other people I turned down that were apparently pretty big. Um, you know, everyone thought I was insane, and I thought, no, I, I'm going to do this my way. And if it's not going to work out, it's not going to work out. It's fine. I'm not doing this for a quick buck, because the guy at William Morris told me, "All right, we're going to get you a publisher within the next two weeks. We're going to get a uh, ghostwriter on this thing, and we're going to have your book out within uh, four months." Wow. And I said, mm. and I told him straight out, I said, "You know, I'm writing this, right? Like, this is not going to be ghostwritten. I'm writing this book." And, you know, and he was like, oh, well, well, you know, we can, st- we'll get somebody to help you. And I thought, that's such bullshit. Um, so yeah, I mean, so those people do exist, but I, I say again, by and large, the people I've met have been really great. And the people who weren't, I just turned them away. And I don't care how powerful they were, or how great they thought they were. They didn't mean shit to me. Yeah. Because yeah, if this didn't work out, I still had my job at Yahoo. <laughs> I could yeah. go back there and still make my shitty salary and move slowly up through the company because that was my expectation for my life. You know, I had no designs on becoming a writer or you know, having a movie made about me. So if it failed, I just went back to my old life. No big deal. Right. So, so that said, uh, before we kind of jump into our final questions, what do you, are you working on anything now? Do you have, uh, do you can, do you consider yourself now a, a writer? Do you have other book projects or in the work? <laughs> yeah, I don't consider myself a writer still. I mean, people ask me and, and I still will deny it. Um, but I, I have a children's book written. In fact, I'm, way late with um <laughs> all the stuff i have to turn into my agent but i'm working with a, a friend of mine who's an illustrator and and she came up with a really really wonderful idea that we're um, we've been kind of riffing on for a while and uh and and her artwork is incredible and it's just it's a real breath of fresh air i think in sort of children's books and and the book is um a little more subversive you know it's not 
like, you know, go the fuck to sleep. But it's sort of in between that and like, you know, everything most kids read. And I think it's, it's something that's going to be really, really great. I think people are going to like it. And, uh, so hopefully we can get it sold and, and there's no guarantees. I mean, even though I've sold a book before, there's a good chance that, that this book won't sell at all. Um, and then we'll just self publish it and we'll sell it on my website or something for, you know, five, 10 bucks and see what happens. But, uh, you know, I, I don't believe, I don't believe that I, I'm, I'm going to do any more of this. I really think that like I wrote that book and that was it. Um, I still, even though I don't really care about whether or not, you know, the book did well or it failed or whatever, I also have this real strong belief that once I've done something great one time, like, I don't know if I want to do it again mm-hmm. <laughs> because I, I, it's bound to be terrible the second time around. Like I, it won't be as successful or it won't be as good as, as the first time around. And so I feel that whether maybe it's having another child, like this one's really good. I don't know if I want another one cause the other one will probably be really messed up. Um, <laughs> or, or when it comes to the book, like the, I think the book um, the way I wrote it, the way I, I really brought it out, I, I'm really proud of the way it came out. I'm really happy with the way it came out, and I'm not sure I'd be happy with the next one I'd write. So the children's book is natural because it's completely it's something completely different than what I've done, and I feel like um, you know I don't you know I don't have any designs again. Whether or not I have to fail or succeed with that, if it succeeds, great. If it doesn't, well, I'll go find a job mopping yeah. floors or something. So. But it's it's so refreshing to hear to hear you say that because I'm thinking as you're speaking about that about your website. And I'm thinking like, oh, you know, what's going to happen there? Is there a plan? Like, what's the what's the next strategic step? And then I'm like, no, man, it's just this organic existence yeah. of what it is to be alive in this world with these people. Yeah. And I really love that. Well, thank I, you. I really love that 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 there's not a, a design or some sort of trajectory for where it might go next. Yeah, I, I just with my blog and everything, like I don't write as much as I used to. I don't have the same needs that I did. Um, and you know, there's a lot of speculation. Uh, I don't, I don't read it, but I hear about it. Uh, speculation as to why I'm not writing as much on my blog or I'm not doing this or not doing that. And some people, they think, they think it's because of the movie and I can't share too much because they want to put it in the movie and all that, or I'm going to write another book and I can't share it or whatever. But really what it comes down to is that, um, I've, I've shared a lot of stories of the, the past four and a half years. Um, and, and one of the, the primary functions of this blog was to get these memories down for my daughter. I wanted her to be able to read them. So if I got hit by a bus the next day, you know, she would have, you know, a, a bunch of writing from me, my story told from my point of view and my words. Um, but now she's four and a half. I can tell her stories about her mom that she remembers. So I don't have this need to write them out as I used to, you know, I had to get these things down. So in case I did get hit by a bus or I forgot them or whatever, they were there and they were preserved. Um, but now my daughter's four and a half. I can, I can take her out. And I can take her to the place that I went to with her mom and say, hey, your mom, and I just did this past weekend up in Pismo Beach. I said, stand here. I want a photo. Your mom, I have a photo of your mom and me right here. Hmm. And I can tell her all about it. And I can tell her about the weekend we spent there. And she can remember it. And she can recall it six months down the road. And that's that's what it comes down to. So the blog is not for to make money. The blog is not to share my story with people and get sympathy. Um, I don't even want to use it to push my foundation. It's just, it, it's sort of running its course. And again, like you said, there's no design here. There's no, um, there's no plan. And if I choose to write again, if I choose to throw something up there, then I do. And I've done that in the past and, and I actually hide some of the writing that I do. It's, it's buried on my site somewhere. People can't find it. Some people do though. Um, <laughs> But again, I'm really into self-sabotage. That's like I think that's like the theme of all of this. Like I, I try to do whatever I can to make sure that these things don't work out for me, and then when they do, I can say, "Well, it just happened, I guess." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's probably a common experience, you know, among among a lot of people. Yeah, we, a lot of us, a lot of us do that. But so it goes. Um, we have two questions we like to ask all our yeah. our guests, and um, the first one I'm actually a little bit. 
hesitant to ask. Oh, don't worry. But uh, because I feel like you've, you've you've answered, I feel like it's obvious, but maybe not. Um, the first question we ask is: Do you feel like this journey, this career, it's kind of uh, uh, tangent, so to yeah. speak, chose you, or do you feel like you somehow chose it? Yeah, I think um, I don't know. I'd almost say neither. I think it's just something like it's almost like walking down a sidewalk and tripping and and not falling into some dog shit, but falling into like a, like a pile of roses that somebody left on the ground, right? Like I was walking in dog shit for a long time, and then suddenly I tripped and I landed right there in those roses. And and so I, I, I mean, I guess I guess you could say it probably chose me more than I chose it because I didn't I didn't set out to to write this stuff. I didn't you know I wasn't trying to find an agent. I wasn't trying to get a movie made. Um, I just. I just let this all happen. I mean, I've got this, this great friend of mine. Um, and she said, you know, one of the things that, uh, that I've, I've loved seeing from you since Liz died. And since you brought Maddie home is that you've never said no to anything. And I hadn't thought about that because I think in, in life people say no to stuff all the time. You know, we say no to career changes because of whatever it might be. We say no to moving to a new location. We say no to all this stuff. Um, and I was guilty of that in, in so many places in my life before. Um, and it goes back to what I was saying earlier about the failure and the, the just complete, like just lack of fear of failing. Um, but I just started saying yes to things and whether it was doing this podcast or it was doing a movie or a book or just letting people into my life, I just got to a point where I just said yes to everything. And, and the book was the same way the, the writing and all of this that's happened has just kind of come to me. And, um, and I've just stumbled into it one way or another. Even if I tried to avoid it or walk around it, it's just it just keeps landing on my shoulders. And I guess I'm I'm lucky. Mm-hmm. Right on. I don't know if that answers your question. But <laughs> yeah, no, it totally does. It totally yeah. does. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, I, I agree with Trev. I think everything you were saying before kind of answered that question because like you you didn't really make make the choice for the events in your life to occur, and therefore you didn't make the choice to necessarily have publishers approaching you about your story and it wasn't something that you specifically chose. Um, Very interested in our our second question though, from you being that you're not necessarily inundated into, is that the right word into the industry? Like it's not something that you're like completely, you know, saturated. Yeah. Um, We like to ask if you could take all of your experience and in your case, I guess experience is from everything, raising your daughter, um, uh, everything that happened, the, the book deal, the movie deal, if you could take everything that you've experienced and boil it down to one nugget of advice for someone, what would that nugget be? That's a good question. That's a really tough one, actually. You should have like prepped me with that one before I got started. <laughs> so I could have had this like really wonderful idea thought out. Um, we but, like putting people on the spot. Yeah, that's a great one. I, I, I think it goes back to what I was just saying, which is just to never say no. I mean, I, I think hmm. I was putting these limits on myself forever. I mean, these people were coming to me and saying, you can write a book. We want you to write a book. And I was saying, I can't do that. You know, I was telling myself all along that, okay, I can't, I can't do that. I couldn't, I couldn't write a book. I've never written a book before. I'm not going to do that. Um, and I kept thinking in my own head, like, why do these people want to make a movie about me? I mean, I understand the sort of exploitation that goes, you know, the mutual exploitation that goes back and forth. I get paid, they make a movie, everybody wins, all this stuff. Um, but at the same time, I just kept doubting that this was real. Like, like who would really care this much about uh, my story and my life? You know, because it's not, it's not a story, it's my life. You know, that, this is the thing that I've lived. And for me, it's just something that I've gone through and I've had to deal with and I deal with on a daily basis. You know, I, a lot of people out there have the, a lot of people have read my book or read my story or whatever you want to call it. 
um, have the ability to, you know, to think about it whenever they want to, you know? So I have this, this idea, this concept that, um, you know, for me, I have to live with my wife's death every single second of my life, every single day, every single second. Whereas people who don't know her all that well or whatever, who don't live here, um, they think about her once a week, once a month, once a year, whatever it might be. And for them, that death is still so fresh. Like, you know, if they think about her twice a year, it's been two days since she died. That's the way I think about it. Whereas for me, it's been, you know, billions of seconds since she died. And that's how my life is broken down. And so I had all these situations where I was just living it and it just seemed like this was, I don't want to say mundane because it just sounds terrible, but it was just my life. I didn't, I couldn't imagine anybody would care. And so when I finally got to a point where I could say yes to all of this and I could just accept the fact that these people knew what they were talking about and that maybe it was good for me to get this stuff out, um, you know, that was, that was really good for me. And I think it was great to be able to just say, I'll do it. I'll do it. I don't care if I'm going to fail. I can leave all of that behind. I can leave all those worries behind and just do all of this stuff um, and not worry about what I was wearing when I went met Oprah. And like, I think anybody else, not anybody, but a lot of people, if you said, you're going to go meet Oprah, like people would start shaking. I have friends who are, you know, uh, they present something at work and they're like, they're all worried. And I would have been that same person. You know, I couldn't have gotten up in front of a room and talked to people. I wouldn't have been able to do this with you guys before. Um, but I just kind of, I let go of all of that stuff. And I wasn't intimidated by any of these people because as you said earlier, and I think you said it great. Like the people that you're meeting in this industry are, they're normal people. Most of them are really kind. They're really nice. They have families at home or they don't or whatever. They're great people. And they, they care about their jobs. They care about doing good quality work. And I think being intimidated by them can really screw things up for people. If you can walk in and have a normal conversation with Oprah or some producer you just met and you can joke around with them and you can be honest. I, I told Marta, I've never seen an episode of Friends. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, like that, that, should be, that should be career suicide when you're talking to the creator of Friends. Um, but I had to let her know that. I had to be able to say that like, this, is just, this is me. This is who I am. And if you guys don't accept it, then I'm going to walk away. I don't care. I don't need this. Um, and sometimes it's hard. I mean, it's a little different for you guys because this is your job. This is your career, right? This is the thing that you're striving for. Uh, so maybe my advice is not the best. But really, I, I just say yes to everything you can and, and just don't care yeah. <laughs> you know, because it, it, can, it can serve you well. We, if you want to break it down to a really you know, minuscule example, mm -hmm. you always book the, the auditions that you don't give a shit about. Yeah. Yeah, you take all the opportunities Always. you can get. Yeah, right. You walk in, you're just like, oh fuck, I don't want, you know, but I don't give a shit. I'm tired today or whatever. That's the one you're gonna book, right? as opposed to the one where you're nervous and you're shaking and you're all those other, you know, feelings you described. Those are the ones that you you know, will will never book. So, it's interesting to me to think about what what c could potentially allow me or Trevor or one of our listeners completely let go the way that you have. Yeah, that doesn't have to be a, a, a death of a close loved one yeah like I, what 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 would it take in your life to to say you know what this is who i am this is my authentic self and you know fuck everything else because that's not who i am and and um i like you said i don't need it yeah i, I think that level of security is something that's so hard to find it's hard for anybody and i'm you know i'm not some guru or anything but like for me, it was just something that, that happened, you know, because I, I was in a situation in, the, in my, my past life. That's the way I kind of think about it, um, not in any sort of religious sense, but in, my, in the life that I had with my wife, she just did everything because she was more capable and she was smart and she was wonderful and she could handle all of this. Um, and then when she died, I had, to, I had to pick up the pieces. I had to figure out how to be me. 
because I was, it was us forever. You know, we'd been together for 12 years. It was just us. And it wasn't just her. It was us. And so suddenly it was just me. And I had to figure this out in a, in a way that I didn't know how to do. Um, but what I realized is I was learning this stuff all along. You know, I was picking up these things from Liz that I didn't realize she was teaching me. And I don't mean like how to use the washer because I actually did the laundry. She folded it. But um, <laughs> like it was just a little thing. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I, I did all that, that kind of shit because I wasn't capable of doing anything else. Um, but, you know, I think that was so important for me. And I think, you know, it might not be the person you're with or, or your partner or anything like that. But just the, the everyday experiences you have. I think people sometimes forget that you're learning every single second you're walking around. I mean, you might learn from your, your, your post office person, you know, like you go drop off a package. You could hear something that's just so fucking profound that will change your life. And I'm, I'm not saying you have to like suddenly find religion because of it or something, but there are things that you're going to pick up on a day-to-day basis. Like I didn't realize that my you know master's degree in sociology was going to get me to here, you know, but I think the way that I related to people after Liz died and the way that I dealt with the things that were coming at me and the way that I've kind of tried to explain this away and not take too much credit for it is from stuff I learned, you know, 12 years ago in college or 10 years ago in graduate school. And, uh, you know, you would hope that those things would translate someday, but you'd just never imagine that they will. I mean, I don't know, maybe you studied accounting. Could you imagine yourself sitting here and doing this? Probably not. But the fact is, there there's things that you're going to learn, there's principles you'll learn in accounting that will help you as an actor. It sounds crazy and it sounds totally weird, but it's true. And that happens every single day. It really does. And that's and that's for me, that's, that's something that I've... Part of the reason I kept saying yes to this stuff is because... Maybe I'd pick up something along the way that would make me a better manager when I went back to, you know, my old shitty job or whatever. Um, or maybe, you know, maybe I would someday have a, ma- a movie made about my book and, and I would learn these things from all these different producers and know what to say or what not to say in a meeting. Um, and then, again, ultimately, it was just about having the confidence to say, this is who I am and I know that there's something out there for me. This is not the only job I can do. Like, if this book fails... I'm not going to be. I'm not going to consider myself a failure. And so I think in your world, to say, well, you know, I didn't get this acting job, and not to think like, oh shit, like I'm the worst actor of all time. Just say, well, this wasn't the right part for me. You know, there's another one out there, and I'll keep finding these things. And uh, and that's that's the thing. Like we're all going to be successful in our own way. And uh, and mine happened to be with a book, but now I'm going to move on to something else. And it might be, and quite literally, I might be like mowing lawns or mopping floors. Um, but I'm going to be the, you know, I'm going to be the best fucking lawnmower I can be. <laughs> and, uh, and I'll be happy about it. And I, I won't look back at this with regret. I'll just be able to say to my daughter, like, Hey, remember that time I told you that, like, and this literally happened. Um, somebody at CA gave Steven Spielberg my book to read and then told me about it, that he loved it. And it was like, all right, remember that time that Steven Spielberg read our book, but he passed on doing a movie, but he loved the book. Um, I can say that, or I can say, look at that photo that's on our mantle. That's Oprah. And back when she had a talk show on like network TV, like you got to be held by her and it was totally weird. Um, you know, (laughs) and I just, the stories that I have from this and the, the life experience I've gained from all this weirdness that's happened in my life is, is been invaluable. And, um, and it's just, it's great. It's been fun for me to, to be able to kind of look back at the things that I've done and, and to know too, that if Liz were standing right here and all this stuff had happened, like let's say she'd been a part of all this, she would be in complete disbelief. She would not believe that I had done all these things, written this book, um, or any of the other stuff. But she would be most surprised at the fact that our daughter is as great as she is. <laughs> she would have thought I would have broken her by now. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, Amen, man. I mean, Matt, thank you so much. Thank this you. has been really, really wonderful. This is this feels weird. I've never actually done like a book a book mention on the podcast, but uh, <laughs> Matt's book is called Two Kisses for Maddie. It's wonderful um, in, a, in a painful way, but it's really, really wonderful. Mm-hmm. And it's fun because I your voice in the book is so 
it's just so real. Like I first personally, I love all the swearing. Like I <laughs> love you. it. I think it's like it's awesome because you know you just relate to it. You're like, this is just a dude who's just like in this situation, and he's just trying to get through. And it's right. just like, and this is the way that he expresses himself. So it, it's fantastic. So thank you for being here. If people want to contact you or learn more about you or whatever, uh, where can they go? Yeah, they can go just about anywhere. I've got sort of a wide footprint on the internet. Uh, I've got a website. Um, so it's just my first and last name, mattlogland.com. Um, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, I, I try to respond to people. I, I do much better on Twitter sometimes than I do with email. Um, email addresses on the website. You can find that too. Uh, Twitter name is just Matt Loglin. Um, I'm on Instagram. If you want to watch my photos, those are more interesting than any of my words actually. Uh, and you can see beautiful photos of my beautiful daughter doing really stupid shit, <laughs> always putting her in tough situations, um, making her laugh and things like that. So, um, yeah, but that's the best way to get a hold of me. And, uh, I do my best, like I said, to, to respond to as many people as I can. Cool. Awesome. Cool. Well, Matt, again, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks awesome. for having me. I really appreciate it. And sorry for being so long winded. I, I talk a lot. So. Oh, are you kidding me? This is, this lovely. has been great. Not yeah. long enough. <laughs> thank you. All right, everybody. Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed part three of our three-part chat with Matt Loglin. Um, very cool guy. And if you go to his website, the Indonesian version of his book just came out in print. And it's funny to see like how the book has been catered or, or tailored to cater to that market. Yeah. Because like there's a picture of him like on the cover, and it's like photoshopped to like the nth degree. Like he looks. He looks like himself, but he's like this super chiseled, like Paul Bunyan version of himself. <laughs> and he's like smiling. He's got this smiling baby strapped to his back. And there's like drawings of him like on the pages inside where he's like cradling the baby. It's, it's really, um, it's, it's no less powerful, but it's really interesting to see what appeals to a different culture when it comes to stories yeah. like this, you know? Yeah. He, he mentions in the interview something about like how certain things just won't translate yeah. to yeah international that's so funny yeah um i i don't know if you feel this way but i i i'm gonna miss matt <laughs> i feel like i feel like i don't know that that doesn't always happen with our with our guests but i feel yeah. like i'm going to i'm going to miss his presence on the on yeah. the podcast he was one of the realest guys we've we've had one of the realest guests i mean everybody's very genuine but he he's so like far outside the industry that it was so refreshing just to talk to somebody yeah. who was just like i don't know what the fuck's going on I'm like I, <laughs> I don't know like i was like screw you i'll take my time writing the book like, he was just so genuine yeah but like nice like he wasn't like an asshole he was just like i, I don't know how this works and yeah. um you can't not love that yeah yeah. Totally. It, it's uh, it was a rare perspective, and um, really going to hand it to uh, Jen Levin for for bringing him our yeah. way. Yeah, for sure. That his interview was actually like a year or two in the making. We just kept uh, missing each other in yeah. communication. It took Jen to put it all together. So definitely, thank you, Jen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, picks of the week. Picks of the week. I know you got one. Yes. Right um, off the bat, <clears throat> I. Uh, I started read. I haven't finished. I have full disclosure. <laughs> I, I must. I must. Confess. No matter. This is a classic. I must confess. Uh, but I started reading uh, the Prophet by Khalil Gibran, who is a very famous poet, and um, you know has uh, several things that you can go out and purchase. But this is probably his most famous. Yeah. Right? This is this is like his flagship work. And 
The thing that I love about it is you could literally open it to any page at any moment of your life and just read what's there. Like almost like you were spinning a globe and putting your finger where you want to visit next, right? Hmm. Just flip to any page and it can speak to you. It can speak to what's going on in your life in that moment. It can speak to your relationships. It can speak to how you're feeling. It can speak to what you're going through. It's almost eerie in its power to do that, but it also just goes to show how brilliant a wordsmith Hmm. he is and, and how in tune he is with the human condition. I would recommend anyone keeping it on like a bedside table or something like that, or One on a those coffee books. table. Yeah, right up there with like the War of Art. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just like if and you like, are, if you are, go ahead. I was gonna say, and the is it? There's a, there, I'm totally gonna embarrass myself by going further <laughs> with this, but there's a, 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 a like an Eastern philosophy book that's also like on many bedside tables around the world. Mm. That's just like little two through two or three sentence nuggets of yeah of wisdom about. These, I mean, these, the, these, um, <clears throat> I don't know what you would call the movements, chapters, uh, whatever sections uh, of the book are pretty long. You know, some are, some are multiple pages. I, I haven't found, I've yet to find one that's less than like a page, page and a half. Um, but it's amazing because the, I mean, he's talking about like all these far off places and things and people and you may not even like i said we flip to a page you may not even know what's happening quote unquote plot wise if as if there was a plot you might not understand exactly what's what's happening but it's the emotions it's the feelings that are being expressed and the dare i say lessons Mm -hmm. like literally like life lessons where you're reading it it's like you know Da, 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 and you go, oh my gosh, that's of course, yes, that's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. And it's just yeah. because you read some some words on a page, and how they, how those can can really jump off the page and speak to you. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, I got I told you before we started recording here that that book's been on my list for like ten years, and I've always found a reason not to not to dig into it. It's so. not necessarily one of those ones that you're just going to like sit down and read cover to cover in yeah, one sitting, like why. like the War of Art. Like I said, I would read it like uh, in 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 sections. I'd keep it by your you know on a bedside table or on a coffee table and read it in sections and and read it in between reading other things. Read it in between living your life would probably be the most supportive thing because, like I said, it's not really. Uh, I mean, you could consume it as a work of poetry, but what's more fascinating for me is to like go and live my life. And then either pick a random page or just continue reading from where I left off, huh. and just be like, "Oh my gosh!" Do you have the hard copy, or do you have? I'm sorry. Uh, no, no, no. I have it on um, uh, my iPad. Cool. I didn't mean to interrupt you there. No, 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 no okay. worries. I was done. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, <laughs> cool. it's just like, oh my gosh, this speaks to me right now. It's yeah. Awesome. So yeah, awesome. the Prophet by Khalil Gibran, and any poetry by you know uh, Khalil Gibran is amazing but that's obviously his flagship flagship i love the term trevor used the flagship 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 work yeah sweet cool um how about you my friend uh filmmaker magazine i'm sure a lot of our listeners are familiar with filmmaker magazine um and i think it's just filmmakermagazine.com they've got a really great website and an awesome newsletter that's just all about independent film and has these amazing in-depth interviews with filmmakers um you know everything from big time filmmakers like pt anderson and um, Julie Delpy, before sunrise, before sunset, oh, yeah, yeah, after yeah, sun- yeah, 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 yeah. Like that was just—it's just really great stuff. Just from people who are just kind of like us. Like they're not making a ton of money. I mean, P.T. Anderson, Julie Delpy are kind of the big ones, but there's a lot of other kind of like filmmakers who just like made a 
made it happen. And like their films are seeing real success and they're really great films. And you just get to get to learn through their process. And it's a little heavy sometimes on like the camera technology angle, which to me and my brain just shuts off when they're like, what kind of camera did you use? What kind of film stock? What, what's your editing platform? And mm-hmm. they talk about model numbers of lenses and things. I'm just like, I don't know what that means, <laughs> but like the creative process, they go into that. And, uh, in the last issue, not the current one, but the last one, there was a great interview with the guy, who wrote Looper, who wrote oh, and directed wow. Looper. And it was so cool because his process was, uh, he would, he writes the entire film by hand in a moleskin notebook. Oh, cool. And he doesn't stop until he's filled up the whole notebook. And then when he takes it out and types it into his computer, mm-hmm. that's editing his first draft for him. Oh, and cool. that's, he just finds that that's the process that works best for him. So it's kind of cool to, and that's Looper, you know, it's Bruce Willis, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. It's this awesome movie that's I hear is really great. I haven't seen it yet, yeah. but it's just cool to, to, to see that stuff in, in there right alongside the random dude from Texas who just grabbed a camera and made a film that's seen great success. And he's right there with an article right next to this guy, you know, it's, it's really cool stuff. So, uh, we, as a podcast have a subscription to it. Uh, and I picked it up for a deal for like 10 bucks for the year. You only get, I think, an issue every two months or so. Mm -hmm. So it's like six issues, but, uh, I don't think it's any more than like 15 bucks for the print edition. And, uh, like maybe eight or nine bucks for like the digital iPad edition that you can get. So, uh, if you are an actor who has any interest in filmmaking, um, and I hope you are, if you listen to this (laughs) podcast, because if you don't, you can just tune out to 80% of it. Um, but yeah, uh, really, really great investment. If, if not for anything else, just to learn about, I think where the industry is going, I think we're going to see less and less these big films and a huge proliferation. Is that a double negative or whatever you see a a huge kind of surge in in films like the ones that are profiled in that magazine awesome yeah and you know uh where your brain turns off other people's other folks might turn on like i know daniel pierce's uh podcast he's way into the the camera stuff yeah you know all those uh geardos out there (laughs) (laughs) yeah and you can be both i'm just not one of those guys yet well you know the other thing that uh it sometimes takes me a very like hours to get through an article because like I'll stop and I'll highlight something and Google it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So if it's like a, if it's like they're talking about equipment and you don't know what they're talking, your eyes start rolling in the back of your head. If it's something that interests you at all, like it's cool. If it doesn't, uh-huh. you know, I'm not saying it's wrong that it doesn't for you just skip over it or whatever. But if it interests you at all, why not just Google that? Yeah. Take a look at what it is, who's using it, what it does, you know, um, and it's not, it ju- it's not just equipment. Like sometimes I'll be reading through an article and I'll come across the name of an actor and I'm like, okay, I know who this person is, but let me dive in deep here and give myself some context uh, in terms of this article, so on and so forth. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Right on. Yeah. And, uh, to kind of piggyback off of that, our listener pick of the week is one that was sent in a couple weeks ago, um, from, a uh, listener named Lee, and he actually wrote in with a few suggestions, one of them which was No Film School, which we talked about on the podcast. Yeah, we've talked about No Film School yeah, before. Uh, a while ago, but um, I wanted to mention it here because it's a great kind of segue uh, from Filmmaker Magazine into what I think we're going to make his official pick of the week, which is this like hour and a half documentary where these filmmakers oh, got together yeah, yeah, yeah. and like basically tested all these different cameras and shot basically three short films um, with like, you know, like... Everything from like the super awesome red camera all the way down to like the eight hundred dollar like Sony, you know, camera. And and what they found, I haven't actually watched it yet, but I I looked at it <coughs> uh, in pieces. And what I what they found was that 
the quality was not that distinguishable between the hmm. low end prosumer Sony no camera. excuses no yeah. excuses yeah and you know I, I i'm really excited to see it because i want to see you know i want to see what it looks like uh i think it's called revenge of the great camera shootout 2012 damn thank you <laughs> thank you for that yeah, yeah i was so, looking uh, it up while you were talking sweet about it. yeah link on our website for anybody who wants to check that out like i said i have not watched it yet but i'm eager to and i think that again something that that all of us can can really benefit from is just learning as much as possible about that kind of diy movement yeah especially as technology gets more affordable and easier to use and more prolific speaking of nerding out on on camera equipment that would be like perfect yeah yeah exactly sweet so lee thank you so much for sending in your suggestions apologies for taking a week or two to get around to it or more like a month or two but thank you for uh for sharing (laughs) that uh i think that does it for episode 87 yeah yeah sweet awesome possum sweet so for those of you listening who enjoy what we do and you want to uh support the podcast get more involved go deeper down the rabbit hole there's lots of different ways to communicate with us and and do all that uh the first thing you can do probably the easiest is to send us an email at insideactingpodcast at gmail.com and or call us leave us a voicemail to get your voice on the podcast it can be kind words it can be a question if it's a rant we probably won't play it but <laughs> but hey you know try it. uh 213 two actors that's 213 uh yeah you can also find us on twitter and facebook twitter.com slash inside acting or facebook.com slash inside acting um we've got our facebook page and our facebook group right um both of which uh you know you can like join jump in chat yeah. ask questions obviously we read them on the podcast as you heard earlier uh you can rate us on actorrated.com or in itunes where you can also subscribe to the podcast and you should <clears throat> yeah and, it um, makes it kind of easy yeah, yeah doesn't it <laughs> and uh last but certainly not least obviously you can always donate to the podcast uh by going to inside acting podcast insideactingpodcast.com on the right hand side you'll see a little donate button remember that uh, portion of the proceeds portion of your donation now goes to uh, the make a film foundation that's right so um, you're helping out your uh, you know uh, helping out two uh, organizations at once you're helping keep the podcast going and you're supporting these um, these uh, kids in, in making making films yeah so. and I still got to update the website with that information but yeah 10% is the uh is the kind of default amount that we're donating to the Make a Film Foundation. And if you don't want to donate 10%, that's totally cool. We respect uh, people's um, right to exercise, you know, what they want to support us with and whatnot. And, uh, and of course, if you want to donate more, if you want to kick us a little note that says, hey, guys, I just sent in a donation for X amount of dollars, please donate 20% if you would in my name. Um, that'd be cool. We'll do that in your name in company of the, the podcast. Yeah. Um, of course, you can always go over there and just donate directly yourself as well if you want to go just go straight to the source. But um, we wanted to be in contribution to something awesome, and we've been wanting to do it for a long time. So we're we're thrilled to finally be able to to be doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so hey, it does it right. It does it, man. Oh, it's over. <laughs> uh, sweet episode eighty-seven. My name's Trevor Elgon. I'm AJ Meyer. We'll see you next week, and in the meantime, create your vision.